0: I'm Andrea, and this is Market With Me Quickly, a podcast to inform, educate, and assist B2C marketers in doing their jobs just a little bit better. When we started making this podcast, we did not anticipate that we were going to be in the middle of a pandemic. We then saw just how big of a toll this environment had on B2C marketers. So we did everything we could to launch right away. We asked consumer psychologists, neuroscientists, professors for their expertise around how to market during a pandemic. We talked to consumers about how their spending habits had changed when they entered quarantine. And we spoke to marketing leaders at brands like Vera Bradley, who told us what they were struggling with. This episode is the last of season one. And we wanted to give you the information that didn't make it into our earlier episodes, because we were focusing on marketing during the coronavirus. There was a lot of amazing insight from our experts that was never shared. So, in this episode, we bring you that. We have some tips based in consumer psychology that can help improve your marketing strategy. But first, here's why the brain science behind tactics like anticipation, scarcity, and fear of missing out works. This is behavioral scientist Dr.
1: Celine Malkich. The brain has multiple locations two big important one one of this what they call the prefrontal cortex that's what makes humans humans that's where a lot of higher order cognition takes a place and then we have got amygdala that's actually in the back of our head uh that is what we share with other humans that is uh, a lot about more visceral needs and wants and desires uh fears so whenever we activate one of those uh big uh visceral human-like reactions amygdala gets engaged and basically puts prefrontal cortex into the background and makes its hard uh, job harder in some ways so in our brains literally value centers and reward centers start to light up and tells the rest of your brain, this is what I want, this is what I want, crowding out any other thing that might be basically taking place, any other control mechanisms that might be kicking in.
0: She also told me more about her research on the consumption of
1: time and how that can be used in marketing strategy. One of the biggest resources that we consume is our time. And it is very intricately related to marketing because many ways, but I'll highlight two, one of them is uh, marketers trying to sell us time-saving products right? There is an abundance of that. The obvious ones like cleaning services, but also anytime somebody is giving you delivery or anytime that we are trying to buy a product that's meant to save time. I don't know if you're aware, but there's even these uh, flower pots that have got their own little uh, reservoir at the bottom so you don't have to water your plant every day in a way to save your time. So there's everything out there that's trying to save us time and we need to understand its function and our role and what we do what people actually do with it and why they want to save time and so forth. And secondarily it's the experience economy. There's more than ever experiences around us. Again, there is the usual, you know, the movies and the concerts and the spouse, but, you know, we have got escape rooms, we have got uh uh extreme sports that's trying to gather attention, we have got all sorts of um uh, uh, social gatherings that's trying to gather our attention. So um uh, From that perspective, I think, again, it's important for marketing to understand when and why people take part in those activities and uh, how they can better understand that experience. We ran this one study where we have uh, told people that we were giving free cookies and coffee uh, for students who were getting ready for their finals. And we either told them to come at a window of time, anytime between six and eight, to grab their uh, coffee and. Uh, Cookie, or we asked them when they were going to come and we gave them a specific time to do so. We found that if people were actually chose a specific time to come, they enjoyed their cookie and their break significantly less than when they came through a window. Now, the system that I described is very similar to the systems that's used by Disney and Universal when they give you the fast passes, right? Universal, at least uh, up until recently, gave you a specific time to come back. And Disney gives you a two-hour window to be back. And it turns out that if you get a window, you're less stressed and you enjoy it far more. And to the extent that enjoyment is what brings us back to an experience and causes repeat purchase, it's important to understand the scheduling of those um, voluntary activities. This is Joshua Lysak.
2: That answer, why does your book need to exist? That's the mission for their book.
0: He has ghostwritten more than 45 books, the majority of which are about marketing, entrepreneurship, and business. He had a lot of valuable insight on how to capture an author's voice. As I listened to it back, I thought this information could be useful on how to write on behalf of a brand or client.
2: Oftentimes, it's filling a gap in the marketplace they've identified. They'll tell me, Joshua, I've read all the big bestsellers in my industry. I've got all the great advice from them but they've never covered this key insight I use with all of my clients, with all of my customers. And there needs to be a book out there about it and I'm gonna be the one to write it. So that's usually what the, the mission is. And then the voice is how do we capture their speaking style, the way that they like to use examples? Are they a, are they a visual person? Are they auditory? Uh, are they kinesthetic? We like to talk about feelings and, and the comfort of situations, let's say. All of that, we package the book to read like the author wrote it. Even though, of course, they they didn't. The ghostwriter did. The ghostwriter does all the work. You take all the royalties.
0: What's like the one
2: thing you hope people are walking away with? There is an expression I'm going to use to answer that question. I think we've all heard of the expression, a better mousetrap. right? That's the, the innovator's dilemma. How can I make the mousetrap better? More features, fewer features, more functionality, you know, all... A lot of marketers i think tend to fall too much towards the the, towards the function of the product when you're describing what it is in our campaigns the emphasis a lot on what the thing does in terms of its functions rather than the emotional value of the result emotional value of the result so this is painting a picture okay I'm using the functional product. I'm using your Better Mousetrap or whatever the equivalent is in your industry. How does my life look after that? How do I feel? Even if I'm using an enterprise software, what does my day look like when I'm using your enterprise software? Cloud storage, privacy, authentic reviews. What, what does my life look like in terms of the emotional? I describe how I'm going to feel, how it's going to relieve my stress it's going to look good in front of the boss, whatever the emotional impact is. And a lot of times, because information that ends up in marketing communications come from the product team, not always the customers, it might be time to interview your customers and ask about how does the product make them feel when they're using it, describing when I'm doing, but I'm using your product. This is what it does for me. And this is how I feel about it. And then putting more emphasis on the emotional value, the impact in the day-to-day lives of, of users. Because if everyone else is focusing on the functional value of their product or service, their offer, you come along and make a pitch that sounds very different. That in and of itself is a great way to elevate your brand in the eyes of consumers.
0: I love that. I love that a lot. I'm always... I'm a person who's like existing in their emotions at all times, so I've, that very much resonates with me. Um, and I guess asking consumers, how do you want, you know, this product to make you feel? Like, how how would you want to feel?
2: Like, how, how do you how do you want to feel for going the the jobs to be done theory? Once the job is done, how do you want to feel about the job having been done? Was it good enough? Was it amazing? Like let get get into those exact emotions, record those interviews with those customers, and work the verbatim phrases into your headlines, into your copy, into your social media, into sales presentations,
3: everything.
0: And here is James Wilkie. He's a professor at the University of Notre Dame.
3: I've had a lot of different research projects uh, covering different topics.
0: As a consumer psychologist, His research interest examines how environmental cues and social norms can influence consumers, especially as it relates to gender. He shared some insight from a study of his and how marketers can use it.
3: Males and females uh, process information a little bit differently from each other, and part of that has to do with the the gender norms of the society that we live in. So there's a little bit more pressure on men to behave in a masculine way and more pressure on women to behave in a feminine way. And that can lead to differences in behavior. Um, So as far as uh, I did one project involving environmental cues, and that stemmed from kind of the longstanding finding that women tend to be more environmentally friendly than men. Actually, that's been something that's been shown since the 1970s, and it's pretty consistent uh, across a whole bunch of countries and across a whole bunch of age groups. If you broke it down, looked at men versus women, women just were better for the environment. Um, So there were different reasons in the past that have been trying to explain why that might be, and we... uh, for that project looked at a potentially slightly different angle. And this idea that, well, perhaps men um, aren't as environmentally friendly because it's, it would be perceived to be um, more of a feminine area. So if, um, if recycling and, you know, purchasing green products is perceived to be feminine, then that's kind of a barrier for men to do it, even if they want to um so that's uh what that project essentially shows it shows that um both men and women perceive uh, environmentally friendly actions in general to be more feminine in nature um so it's kind of similar to if you think about colors you know both men and women would say oh pink that's more of a girly kind of thing um they also said that with you know um, environmentally friendly environmental friendliness um so in turn uh, you know these associations uh can be shaped i mean that's part of what marketing is is uh presenting information in a certain way to to get things across so uh at the end of the day we showed that well if you just present environmentally friendly things in a more masculine fashion then men are more willing to to act that way Um, Which I don't think is earth shattering per se, but uh, uh, it's something to to keep in mind. So if um, a lot environmentally friendly cues uh, are things like um, you see light colors, like light blue or light green, and previous research has shown that lighter shades of color are perceived to be more feminine. So if you use darker shades of color, it comes across as being more masculine and men are more likely to, to actually engage in the process because there's, that barrier kind of goes away.
0: So how can marketers, you listed a few, um, can use this in a marketing strategy?
3: So within that particular context, uh, one thing, well, we, we approach it two different ways. One I think is more relevant to marketers and that's kind of what I talked about, where you just frame um the product differently you you may maybe even downplay the fact that it's good for the environment um or you frame it more in terms of uh, one study we did uh it was actually a field study done by my colleague uh changing ma who's in at peking university in china and uh she changed, uh, I guess in, in China they, they sell, she went to a BMW dealership and they just changed one um, name as part of their uh, a BMW environmentally friendly model of vehicle. Uh, I think it was uh, from like safety to protection and pro- protecting is more of a masculine trait um, and because of it, actually, men were more interested in, in purchasing that type of vehicle. Um, so, simply changing, you know, the the way that the product is designed, um, as I mentioned, you know, more masculine uh, color scheme or uh, with shapes uh, shapes with uh, angles on them are are perceived to be more masculine than shapes that are rounded. Um, so incorporating kind of features like that uh, can can get men to be more willing to to kind of go down that route. Uh, and the this I think slightly nice thing about that is it doesn't tend to uh, turn women off as much. Uh, so women are more willing to purchase a masculine product than men are to purchase a feminine product. Um, <clears throat> so that's a case where if you were to go that route, um, you're probably going to gain, you know, more men than, you know, to, to compensate for any females, you might actually lose. You're probably going to lose less and and gain more men by going down that route. Um, the other method, which, which I talked about, we approached is is more just kind of a, a psychological method. It was, it was just, if you affirm men's masculinity ahead of time before, they judge environmentally friendly products. So they've already proven that they are indeed masculine, then they're more willing to engage in environmentally friendly behavior. So it's um, kind of this idea of, you have to maintain a certain level of, uh, of gender identity. Uh, so that's something you do over time. So if you do something more masculine, than anything after that, you're you're more willing to do something feminine because you've already proven yourself. But if you've done something feminine, then you have to compensate for that by do, doing something really masculine.
0: So there we have it, a glimpse into how psychological tactics can be implemented in your marketing strategy to affect consumer behavior. Thank you to all of our guests for sharing their unique perspectives. We hope you enjoyed season one and that you're staying safe and that this has helped in some way.